chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Before we, um, we partake in the Lord's Supper, I want to read a passage from Scripture, and I want to make a couple of observations about it. And then it's going to, um, we pray, will lead us into the bread and the wine. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And verse 6 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? I want to stop there for a moment. Because his disciples, the people that have been, had been following Jesus for three and a half years, the very people that Jesus was hoping he would teach them enough so that they could then follow and continue to do his work, the very people that had Jesus as their tutor, as their teacher, the very people that would be, later be responsible for all of Christianity, after Jesus had been resurrected, after Jesus had been with them many days, they asked this question, is this now when you will restore the kingdom to Israel. What they were really asking is this, Jesus, will you now allow us to have our very own kingdom here and now? What they were actually asking is, Jesus, can we now have a physical, tangible government so that we can govern ourselves? Could we finally just be left alone and have our nation Jesus had just resurrected. Jesus had just performed the miracle of all miracles or, you know, like the hat trick where he was dead and now he's alive. And all they're concerned about, his disciples are, can we now rule ourselves? And Jesus, he goes on and he says, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. You see, so often, just a few months, actually just a few months ago, we, we talked a little bit about somebody predicting that Jesus or that the rapture was going to happen and that then Jesus was going to come. And there is this fascination with asking, when is the world going to end? There's, there's films, right, 2012, that, you know, it's just this thing in our, in our culture, in our society, where 2012 is supposed to be the, the, the year that the world ends. And there's this, this fascination, which when that will happen, but that's not new, because the early Jewish people, they wanted to know, when will Jesus restore the kingdom? When will we have this physical and tangible thing? And what is Jesus' response to that? It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know when this will happen. Which is kind of tough. Because we often, and we, we look at, at certain Bible verses, and it says, you see, it says that when this happens, then the end will come. If we look at Matthew 25, and we look at the whole chapter, the signs of the end, we say, this has already happened, so it's just around the corner. And we say, it's just about to happen, it's just about to happen. And when you're waiting for something, usually you're paralyzed, aren't you? 
Yesterday, my kids were waiting for their aunt to pick them up to go to the beach. Now, had it been up to me, I would have said, well, they're still not here, so why don't you guys pick up a little bit? They're still not here. Why don't you go and separate the laundry basket and all your clothes? While you wait, why don't you take out the trash? While you wait, why don't you go and, you know, do the weed whacker on the grass? While you wait, there's some trash on the side of the garage. Why don't you go and take care of that? I would have loved to have said that. But the truth is, what did they do? They just sat and they watched a little bit of TV and they waited because they knew that they were coming soon. And not only did they sit and wait, but they said, we're hungry. Will you make us something to eat? You see, when we're expecting something to happen instantly and right away, instead of us, you know, doing something while we wait, oftentimes we just sit back and we wait and then we expect to be served. But that is not the Christian story. Because when we wash each other's feet, we are reminded that God is not calling us just to wait around idly for the day that he will restore and renew and put an end to all that is evil. But Jesus is saying, while you wait, you serve. In the last few hours of our Savior's life, of Jesus' life, of the God of the universe, in his last few hours of freedom, he doesn't just enjoy a meal, but he kneels down and he washes nasty feet. So that 2,000 years later, you and I would be like, hey, maybe we should follow his example. Maybe we should follow the examples of Jesus. And these disciples, they weren't worried about all that. All they were worried about is this it, is it now? And Jesus says, you're missing the point. That's not the purpose of what's happening. And then this is what he says, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about the end. Don't worry about when your kingdom will be restored. Don't worry about that because that's not in your control. What you're to worry about, he says, is wait and you will receive power. And this power will compel you to be my witnesses. It's not very glamorous, is it? We just want to get to heaven. We want to just get to this eternity where everything is good and there is no more sickness and there is no more suffering and there is no more crying. And Jesus says, that's not for you to worry about. That's my part. All I'm asking you to do is to just wait and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the purpose of that is not so you can have the most beautiful voice or the best sermons or so you can play the best instrument. The purpose of the Spirit being poured into your life is so that you will be my witnesses and tell people about who I have been to you. Tell people the stories of what you have done this week. And this is one of my little witness testimonies. This week... um, Everything's good. Family life is good. My, my relationship with my wife is good. So before you guys start thinking like, oh, what's going on? But there was some stuff that kind of came out of nowhere. You know, the kind of stuff where you feel like it kicks you in the stomach and you can't breathe, that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff you weren't expecting. And then when it happens, you're driving in the car and you have to make sure you don't veer to the right. That kind of stuff. The kind of stuff where you're just walking blindly and you're just like, I have no idea what will happen tomorrow. I had one of those days. Maybe I'm a little dramatic, but it, was, it felt like that. And I remember just kind of opening myself up and pouring my heart out to God and saying, like, I don't know what the next step is. 
I'm fresh out of ideas. I'm baffled. I don't know what the next step is. And I prayed. And I prayed for God to have a certain solution, right? I said, I I know you've done stuff for many. Will you do something for me? And the very next day, I get a call. And this person says, I just want you to know that I felt impressed to tell you that I've been thinking about you and praying for you. I was in the car again. And I remember just thinking to myself, with that phone call, nothing changed. Okay? Everything was the same, but the one phone call by this one particular person that he's not even my best friend, although he's quickly becoming my best friend, this one person calls me and he says, God impressed me and I'm calling you. And in my mind, I'm just thinking to myself, it was like the chills go down my back. And I said, God, I don't know what's happening next, but now it doesn't really matter because I know that you're looking out for me. And my wife can tell you I called her and I was just like, can you even, can, can you explain this? And I mean, she was just like, no. <laughs> but that gives me the power to conquer because I know I'm not alone. And I know that it's not just God, but God sent someone in a physical form. His name ain't Jesus. <laughs> but he came to me when I needed him most. You see, your job and mine as we wait is to allow the spirit to flow through you and through me. And to just give witness to the fact that our God is still alive. Our God is living and moving and he is not done in his work of creation. Because the Bible says that though he created, he is continuing to recreate you back into his image. That he was doing a work of a good work in each one of you and he will not stop until it's done. This is a God who hears the voice of his people who hears their cry, and then he does something about it. I know that there might be people here, though, who feel that I've been crying, but I haven't heard it. I've been crying, but I don't think he's heard me. And all I can say is that you can't give up faith. In the face of the ultimate obstacle, you cannot Give faith, because though you may not have heard the voice of God, there are others who have, and the faith that God will did that for them, God will also do that for you. That has to be enough. God doesn't do miracles in my life, at least not the kind that I see. So just a simple phone call to me was one of the biggest miracles I could ever have asked for at that moment. God will come through, I have no doubt. And I don't know what it looks like because seriously, the outcome I had from Jesus was way different than just receiving a phone call. Do you see what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? I'm like, I need more than a phone call, Jesus. But that's what he gives me. And it was peace and has been ever since. That's the truth. God is still powerful. God is all loving. Difficult things are not necessarily at the hands of Jesus. The bad stuff that happens isn't necessarily Jesus like tripping you and saying, ha ha, that's not the way it works. You will receive power and be my witnesses. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven, and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, probably angels, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. These disciples, they were just looking up. What do you see when you look up into the open sky? Nothing. And they kept looking and looking because sometimes in our, in our life of faith, we focus on the things that are not that important. Sure, it would have been an awesome thing to see Jesus go up and vanish, and it's like a balloon that goes up far enough and you stop seeing it. But then they kept looking, and two people, two men, probably angels dressed in white, come to them and said, okay, that's how he left, that's how he's coming, now let's move on. You already know how Jesus is going to return, but he is giving you power from the Spirit to be his witnesses. And sometimes... This fascination about, well, when is the end going to be? We know that a part of our history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, when we predict things, it doesn't happen like that. And so we're not in the business of predicting when Jesus will come. I would love for Jesus to return and renew this earth at this moment. But the truth is that I'm ready to live an entire lifetime and then die and still not see Jesus because for me, the relationship with Jesus is what's already begun. For me, God has already given us the Holy Spirit. He has poured it out into your life and will continue to. And I have to ask the question that I asked the young adults this morning, is Jesus enough for you? Or are you just wanting the glitz and glamour of heaven? Is a relationship, a connection with Jesus and God enough? Or are all you want is to get out of the bad stuff that you're in? Do you see what I'm saying? Is Jesus enough? And that's the question that as we, when we hand out the bread and the juice that represents the body and blood of Jesus, it's a symbol. It's not real flesh. It's not real blood. But as we're handing this out and as you hear some of this music and, and as you receive it, I want you to ask yourself, is Jesus enough for me? Is he enough? And if your answer is no, it's okay too, but I'll share this prayer with you. Help it be enough, Jesus. Jesus doesn't need you and I to be perfect. He needs us to be willing participants in what he's doing. Jesus doesn't need us to be perfect. He just needs us to be open to his spirit. After all, last week we saw the spirit of God already lives in you anyway. But are you aware of it? And I want to read... I want to read this last text, Acts 2.42. It says that the early believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Scripture, and fellowship, when we get together and talk, and to the breaking of bread and prayers. It says that Jesus broke bread the night of his arrest as they were having the, the very first, I suppose, Lord's Supper. He broke bread and he blessed it and he blessed the wine. What we do here on Saturday morning is we're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We devote ourselves to fellowship. That's why sometimes the elders and I, we purposely get together 30 minutes before everybody gets here. And for the most part, we fellowship. And we just talk about whatever's on our mind. Church is about fellowship. So if you are sitting in Sabbath school and you're talking and you're talking about a film you saw or whatever it is or how your week is going. Somebody this morning said, 
sometimes we just bond. That's good. That's what you're supposed to do at church. You're supposed to bond and build relationships. You can learn what the Bible says when you go home. I mean, we do that here at church too, but you've got to understand that the church is about more than just what the preacher says. It's about how you interact with one another, how you bear one another's burdens, how you serve one another. The church is about how we pour out to God and to each other what God has been blessing us every single day during the week. And so this morning we are going to break bread, and I'm going to ask Amanda to come up. I'm going to ask the deacons if you will come up to the front and take your place. In a few moments, if this is your first time, we're going to be handing out a piece of bread, a flat, unleavened bread, and a little glass of grape juice. It is the blood and the body of Christ. It's not a snack. It's not just something to keep you tied over until you go to lunch somewhere after this. This is a deeply symbolic ritual. You know, people have always needed tangible things to kind of relate to God, which is why sometimes if you go to certain cathedrals, you walk in and it's almost like you're in awe of something, something bigger than yourself. It's why some people wear crosses around their necks. It's why some people have candles or stuff at their homes because we like tangible. We like something we can touch and feel, but God is beyond touch. God cannot be contained in something, but God also knew how powerful it would be for you and I to hold bread and juice in our hands. And he knew how powerfully symbolic it would be for us to, to, to every time we do this to be reminded that he gave up his life that you might have eternal life. I'm going to read to you the scripture so you know where we're coming from. And we'll be reading from Matthew. It, it comes in different places in the Bible, but in Matthew it says this. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread. And after blessing it, he broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The blood and body of Christ. Amanda, will you break the bread and share a prayer of blessing over the bread? Dear Heavenly Father, we are here to remember. To remember the significance of the gift you gave us when you came down to die for us. I pray that we never forget and that in this moment of, of quietness and reflection, as we touch this bread, that we remember how great is your love for us. I pray that you bless this bread and as we're, we receive it, as we hold it, as we touch it, as we taste it, that we are filled with you and that your love and your spirit Impress on us, wherever we are, your love and your presence in your name. Amen. And following in the example that Jesus gave, I will now pray a blessing on the juice. God, we, um, it's easy for us to forget what you did more than 2,000 years ago. But this morning, Lord, we pray for a special blessing over the juice that we will drink the symbol of your blood spilled 
as each one of my friends here this morning tastes this, may your spirit be overflowed into each one of us. May we feel your presence in a special and sacred way. God, we pray that this would forever be a part of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Deacons, if you will stand now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. I invite you to reflect on those words and as you are ready to take and drink the cup and eat the bread. And I will now pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so blessed. Be with us in this moment of reflection as we once again receive the gift, the gift given so long ago. As we accept you and we believe in you and acknowledge and remember the sacrifice. Amen. At this moment as we as we near the end of our service, um, I know that there's some of you who want a special prayer. So I want to invite you to come up as we do our garden of prayer now. And there's just, even if you're just thankful for something, if you're thankful for the birth of your first granddaughter, if you're thankful for just what God has been doing for your life, this is a time of thanksgiving and praise. So I want to invite you, if you feel impressed, to come and pray with me as we do our garden of prayer before we sing our final song.
you to look around and understand that this is what Jesus does. That where Jesus is alive in the world is right here. We stand here holding hands as we listen to how beautiful Christ is because that's why we're here. We're called to be the church to be there for one another. Jesus did the heavy lifting and now we bear one another's burdens. And so I want to invite you if you're, if you're well, we're going to just pray standing up. And if you're in the pews, if you would kneel. And I just pray a special prayer. God, our response to your beautiful embrace is to bow before you and say thank you. You couldn't give us any more. And we acknowledge that this morning that you've given us more than enough. And our prayer is that we would learn to be in tune with who you are, that we would have a deeper experience and a deeper relationship with you. And that as we walk out of this building this morning, that we would be different and transformed for having experienced your Holy Spirit fall afresh on us, because that's what you did. And we are grateful that you have not left us alone. And we are thankful that you will go before us. We thank you and we give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. How beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the 
be 